Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, Gordy this afternoon here on our maiden voyage with our video podcast, so you all get to see what we look like as we entertain you with Flames Hockey. How are we all doing this afternoon? Fantastic. Not too bad. Everybody's like, this is weird. <laughs> so, uh, let's just hop right in. Um, the Flames had the five games in seven days last week. Um, we all said if they went three and two, that'd be a pretty good week. They went three and two. Um, I didn't mind last night's game. I don't know about you guys. I kind of figured that was going to be one of those games, the end of a marathon week. Uh, they fall to the Avalanche three to nothing. Um, they looked tired, but I don't think they, Cordy, I don't think they played that poorly during that game. No, the Scots on goal were really good. They they looked fine for, as Daryl said it, a borderline illegal week. So, I mean, it's Colorado of all the five teams they played, even with Tampa Bay and some other pretty good ones. Like that was the that was the big uh, matchup of the weekend right at the end, and it was it was still an okay performance. Darcy Kemper played really well. Uh, Michael, looking at it, I think probably Dan Vladar would like to have one goal back. I think the first goal. Uh, that McKinnon scored, kind of squeezed by him. Probably a shot he should have saved, but I thought Vladar was really good last night. He actually kept the Flames in that game while they were battling when it was one nothing. Yeah, I thought he made a number of really, really good saves last night, and I, I, I still think it's strange that like they played them twice now, and Markstrom hasn't seen either of them. I would imagine he gets that third start, but yeah, Vladar was really all you could ask from a starting goalie, let alone your backup goalie on a with the team on a back-to-back with travel, with losing an hour of sleep, too. Like, it was just, it was all you could expect from him, and perhaps even more. And like Gordy said, like, I don't really have any issues with how the team played. Like, Colorado got one power play goal, one kind of weird face-off goal, and that was it. Kemper had a great game, but I think most nights they're uh, they're right there the whole way. So, yeah, no issues at all. They went 3-2 and two this week, and uh, I think they just move on now. Yeah, and that's what Daryl Sutter said at the end of the game, too. He's like, I had no problem with us tonight. I thought we were fine. And I think you have that has to be expected. You know, you you technically, if you want, you could have started that week with the Colorado game where they beat the Avalanche. You know, but then you had to roll. You had Edmonton. You had Tampa. You had Washington. You had Detroit. And then this game. Like, so it was a tough spread that the Flames had coming through there. So, um, again, you never like to see the team lose. But, like, we all say they're not going to go 82-0. and They're not going to win every game the rest of the way out. So, I mean, if you have to lose to somebody, they played Colorado. They played them tough. I I had no issues um, last night. Uh, Michael Stone's been in for the last two games, Oliver Shillington. Michael, you were talking about a couple weeks ago. You thought he looked like something was off with his skating. He was just falling down. He didn't look good. Um, I thought Stone, other than the face-off goal where he kind of gave the puck to Colorado, I've, I thought Michael Stone, for having not played since December 6th, looked pretty good when he was out there for two games. Yeah, I think he's been, again, kind of just what you expect a seventh defenseman to be. Like He'll come in for a couple games, he'll play pretty well, and... Then he'll disappear back in the press box for a month. So, I don't know. I kind of would like to see them play Mackey if he's actually going to be called up. But I get the sense this whole thing was kind of just like a one-day kind of paper transaction. Like, I would doubt Rizicki even went to Stockton. But, I don't know. I thought Stone was fine. I thought, like, compared to what we were expecting and what we've seen in the past, I thought they were actually two of his better games. Like, he seemed, although, like, playing with Chris Tanev, like, you'll pretty much always look good. But, like, I thought he... I thought he didn't really like make any mistakes that were too glaring, and I yeah he he fit in pretty well for being out for as long as he had been. And Gordy, you know that Rajitska gets the trip down because he didn't have to clear waivers. Um, 
Brett Ritchie would have had to clear waivers. Um, was there any panic that Brett Ritchie was not going to clear waivers? <laughs> or if he did, like, someone was going to take him? Like, really? Well, apparently they're a little worried at least or something because they, they're not even trying to put him on there. I think me and Mike have been discussing it. It's hopefully just Ruzichka is just a paper move. He never actually went anywhere. But, yeah, <laughs> Brett Ritchie is... He's got he's got dirt on Sutter or something because I'm not I'm not too sure what he's bringing to the lineup at this point. He's he's just a body. I mean, there was some talk. He's like, well, he hasn't been that bad. Well, you can't get worse than what? No points in 29 games. Like it doesn't really get in. And you're a minus six. If it was golf, he'd be fantastic. <laughs> Hockey is not very good. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I guess if Brett Ritchie being bad is our biggest complaint so far this season, I guess life's not so bad as a Calgary Flames fan, right? Um. Jacob Markstrom, second star of the week. Uh, he was the second star of the month for last month, and prior to that, it was uh, February 14th or February 1st. He was the first star of the week uh, in the NHL. Uh, last week, 3-0-0, a .67 goals against average, and a 9.74 save percentage. I mean, not a lot of heavy lifting in that Detroit game, I think, for anybody, but uh, what a performance for Markstrom this week, Michael. Uh, he gets his ninth shutout. He's, you know, that close to tying Kipper's record, which I'm sure anybody that saw Kipper's stuff get those 10 shutouts stop. there's no way that record is ever going to be broken or approached. Get here we are. Yeah, totally. I think we're we're probably witnessing a pretty historical season for the Flames with Markstrom. Like, he's just he should have had that other one in, in the Edmonton game, too. Like, that goal that went right off the ref right in front of the net. Like, that was the most frustrating part. And with Markstrom, these shutouts seem to kind of come and stretch, like, in strings. Like, he usually gets, like, two or three over five or six games, then it's off for a bit. So hopefully he can break it maybe this week. I think they have like five non-playoff teams coming up, so maybe they can string one or two in there. But, yeah, no, for Markstrom, it's just super solid. Like, he's had a few stretches where he started to, like, kind of look like he was getting tired. But full credit to the Flames, they got him a lot of rest this week, even with the five games and seven nights, which I think, like, kind of pushed Sutter's hand like he had to rest him at that point. But, yeah. I think still just, like, getting him that rest, they have a few days off now. I think if the Flames can hopefully lock things up, at least in the division, at least with home ice in the playoffs, pretty quickly here, like, he should get a lot of rest down the stretch and be pretty good going into the playoffs. Absolutely. And it's like, we saw him last year, and we're like, okay, he's pretty good. The contract was pretty big. You know, you kind of get... But seeing what we've gotten out of him this season, Gore, you just... He's just, this, tank, this game's where he just looks unflappable, like nothing bothers him while he's out there. And even like the other night, he was playing the puck just because he was bored, you know, when there was nothing happening. Detroit had like, was it five shots through two periods, you know? So, but on the flip side, we'll go to Dan Vladar. Um, Vladar started, what, three out of the last six, something like that? He's played, he's been in after not being in for a while, kind of like Michael Stone. And I think, you're looking at that schedule, we could probably see Vladar a couple more times with what Calgary has coming down the pike in the next couple weeks. And it's not heavy lifting for them because they've got a lot of days off. Yeah, like with with how they've deployed Vladar having two of these last three starts to be against Colorado, like he's fared so well for how sporadically he's played in these last couple months. Um, I know he was getting thrown under the bus a little bit for that loss in Washington, and I mean, he did give up four goals, but it really felt like the Flames probably had their worst game of the week, I'd say, in that game. Um, like the Dowd goal, the Mantha goal, like, those ones where it looks like he just got beat, like Washington was just getting some uncontested shots, like really yeah. good quality shots in the slot. Lindholm kind of got burned by Dowd on the winning goal, or I guess yeah. it wasn't the winning goal, but the 
<laughs> yeah, I know when to set it up. Um, but yeah, like Vladar hit the way they've deployed him this week was really good. Like they needed to get March and some rest with with an insane schedule. I was a little worried with how little he had to do against Detroit. That you know Sutter would pull the old, you know, put him back in because he didn't get enough action move. But like I'm starting to agree with Sutter. Maybe like Vladar just looks very different on the road than at home. He's much more comfortable, it seems, in other teams' arenas. He looked a little uncomfortable in the net against Washington the other night, but, I mean, as they come down the stretch here and, you know, they build a little bit of a cushion against their divisional opponents, it'd it'd be nice to see Vladar get a few more starts than he's been getting and, you know, maybe get into some more situations where they're not totally comfortable playing him yet. Yeah, and honestly, that game against the Capitals still as a team, like, I get it. He hadn't been in it in a while, but you look at Saturday, they beat the Avalanche in overtime in Colorado. Then they fly home. Monday, they got the Oilers. That's a huge game. They win 3-1. to one. And then Washington's waiting for them right there on, the, on a back-to-back. Like, I didn't necessarily, another game, I didn't necessarily mind the loss. You know, they looked a little tired. They looked like they weren't really in it. And I know they're athletes. They never use that. You heard them last night. They were trying to get Chris Tanev to basically say, you guys were tired last night, right? And he was like, well, everybody's tired. You know, at this point in the season, everybody's been worked. So I didn't have a problem with that. And you look at what's coming up. If you're Vladar, you got to be like, hey, we got the Devils, Sabres, Canucks, Coyotes, Sharks. Can I get a bone in there? Can I get one of those games so like I can maybe I can suit up against the you know the Sabres and have an easy game as opposed to giving Markstrom those? But I wouldn't mind seeing Markstrom playing at Vancouver and Ty Kipper's record if he could get a shutout against his old team. Um, Michael, your thoughts on that schedule coming up? Um, it's like the schedule gods crammed everything into Calgary that was tough, and now they've got a little bit of breathing room. The schedule, April's still going to be a busy month, so is the end of March. But like I said, Devils, Sabres, Canucks, Sharks, Coyotes before they get Edmonton, Colorado. It's a nice little, <sighs> right? Well, yeah, in theory it is. Hopefully they can. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. If it was any other season, I've been like, well, they're going to lose like four or five now, but. So far this year, they've still taken care of business against bad teams, which they haven't always done. So I, I think they should be okay. Like, I think it's a nice little break. Like, they did play a lot of good teams here the last two, two and a half weeks. So to get this chance, like, if they can get, I would say you've got to get at least eight of ten in this stretch here just to really kind of keep things chugging along. Like, six would probably be fine. But, yeah, no, it's a nice break for them. And then I think they things do get a little bit tougher kind of going into April, but... Hopefully they can kind of use these games now to really keep pulling away from the pack. Like, they're still, I think, five points up on the Kings with two games in hand. And last night was the first time a lot of the Kings gained any ground on them because the Kings did win the Flames lost. But at this point, it is like a pretty comfortable perch kind of in the top of the Pacific. Although I think last night kind of dispelled any shot the Flames really had at potentially catching Colorado, barring them falling off a cliff here. So, I don't know. I... In one hand, like or on one hand, like I think they're in a pretty good spot going down the stretch. But like we kind of saw the same thing in 2018-19, where they got their spot solidified pretty early and they kind of coasted into the playoffs. So I think that's the only thing that Sutter's gonna have to watch, kind of as we get into the last 10-15 games of the season. That um, he just has them prepared and still playing at the same level because as we saw, like game one of the playoffs, it's a totally different animal, even with Sutter hockey, like. They can't afford one or two games to get back up to speed if they if they're clinched like top of the division with ten plus games left. Yeah, and it's hard to go into the playoffs too. You can't really. It's not like the NFL where you rest all your starters like the last week or two if you've done like you know if you've clinched already. Like you can't really like it would be tough to sit Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk right going. In. I mean you got to you got to manage those guys. Where you can't just throw them out there and then you know God forbid two of them get hurt in a the game then the seasons you know the roller coasters the train's gone off the tracks. 
but you, you have to be smart about it as well. But you also can't coast into the playoffs because then you're in a different mindset. You'd be like, oh, yeah, it's been easy the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, like if you compare, like like this isn't the first season in ever that the Flames have had some regular season success, but like Mike said, the difference between like this season and potentially 18-19 or even 16-17 was like the Flames had a, that 10-game win streak in 2017, and then they they were just abysmal the rest of the season and just kind of coasted into the playoffs. 18-19, that top line, Gaudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm, like they really fell apart in those last couple weeks and stopped scoring, and that translated into the playoffs. So, I mean, you can rest your starters, that top line, you know, the last game of the season, something like that, but, like, carrying this momentum and keeping this um, style of play that they've had going um, beyond these streaks and these hot flashes is, is really the key in differentiating themselves between some of these other teams that have been decent in Calgary these past couple of years. Yeah, and honestly, you look towards, I mean, that last month of April as the season winds down, I mean, say the last, go last two weeks. you got Nashville, Dallas, Vancouver, Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg. Not, not murderer's row, but not easy. You know, it's not an easy stretch. You know, they got back-to-back with the Kraken, which will, you know, that'll be a nice reprieve. But, Michael, you said, you know, coming into April, it's tough. It's Edmonton, Colorado, L.A., St. Louis, L.A., Anaheim. You know, that's a that's another tough stretch for them. So they really can't take their foot off the gas. And they finally have somebody behind the bench that I don't think is going to allow that to happen. Um, not saying that that's something that, you know, Gullison would have done or something that Jeff Ward would have done. But, like, I sense that, like, you know, other than, you know, uh, Gullison throwing sticks into the stands at practice, you know, <laughs> probably was the most staged tirade of all time, um, like, I, I just don't see them, like, if you have a couple of bad games in a row, Sutter's going to be on them. Practice is not going to be easy, right? So I think it's going to be tough for them to coast with the coach they have. So, I don't know, just our thoughts. Anyway, well, do you have something? Good. Oh, no. Okay. I, I'm, just, I'm just very much in agreement with what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Uh, so Austin Matthews uh, gets a two-game suspension today. Uh, I, I haven't seen Leafs Twitter today. I'm sure it's awesome. Um, it's probably just a it's probably a dumpster on fire floating down river, like just a hot mess because Austin Matthews is first time offender. He shouldn't have anything. He should have been fined. Um uh, nah dude, he like literally cross checked the dude like in the neck head area. Um I think two games is enough for that because Matthews is a star. Um you know, he's he's the the straw that stirs the drink in Toronto. Uh Gordy, you cool with two or should it have been more? It's nice to see these stars kind of get the same treatment as everybody else. It's a brutal cross-check to his head. They're outdoors, so I know that hurt a little extra. Like we talked about it last week, like Nathan McKinnon should have been suspended and probably suspended heavily for slashing that referee. Like, ask Dennis Wideman if he intended to hit that ref all those years ago. Like, there's, there's no concern about intent in hockey. He did it, like... The yeah. punishment has to fit the crime. So two games is good. Anything above a fine, I was going to be happy with. The fines are so such a joke in the NHL. Like yeah. it teaches you nothing. It, no one learns from that. So it's it's deserved. I'm glad to see them hand it out and like just keep that consistency for for other stuff and for all players. Yeah, and and a fine for him. What's he make? He makes what ten or eleven million dollars a year. If he gets fined, the league maximum for that. What is by you know according to the CBA, it's nothing. It's like change he finds in the couch could pay the fine. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think two games is great because, I mean, obviously he's frustrated. The Leafs, are, they're struggling. Their goaltending has gone right into the tank. Um, they've lost some games due to some bad calls, some no calls. 
So I get it that he's frustrated, but Michael, I, I, it was just ugly for like one of the guys the league is trying to promote and just, you know, one of the stars for, to see that happen on a, on a big stage like that. Yeah, I think, like, I was kind of honestly expecting maybe an extra game on top of, like, just the two. Like, it was, it was kind of a weird play in that, like, he definitely did it, but, like, we've seen other similar plays kind of be let off, too, this year. Like, it's kind of been a weird mix of they've either been very on top of suspending things or there's been a lot more things. To me, it feels like they've let, like, a lot more, like, one-to-two game things go this year than in past years. Like, it feels like when we've seen a suspension, it's been, like, the bigger incidents, like, uh... Lemieux biting Kachuk and stuff like that. Like, it seems like we haven't seen quite as many of those, like, oh, it was a bad slash, like, you get a game or something like that. So, I don't know. I was expecting, like, honestly, closer, like, three or four for Matthews. But, yeah, it was just an ugly play. Like, again, whether the intent was there or not, like, you just can't cross-check a guy in the head. Like, I know he got ran into that, and the Leafs fans would be like, oh, he, like, he didn't really start as much. But, like, you still have to know the point of, like, no return and, like, getting a cross-check high like that. It's not going to end well because, like, if it doesn't hit the head, it hits the neck. So, like, maybe just don't do that. Like, if you want to, like, throw a punch, throw, even throw a punch, honestly, because, like, that doesn't seem to get the same kind of suspension anymore that, like, cross-checking a guy does. So, no, I'm all with it. I think it was the definitely the right call to suspend him. Um, no, Twitter kind of seems like, it, well, obviously, Leafs fans are always melting down, so, like... <laughs> that and losing to Buffalo is just not a great weekend for them, and having to travel to Hamilton, which is also not a great time. So, yeah. like, I, I don't. I thought it was like a the right call, and yeah, it's it's just weird. It just to me, we haven't seen a lot of these shorter suspensions this year. So I'm glad we're kind of hopefully going to see maybe a few more if they start to crack down again before the playoffs. I'd like to be in the support group meeting at the end of the season for Leafs and Oilers fans if it all goes bad. Just to just you fly on the wall to see how it goes. Yeah, and you know Leafs Leafs Twitter will say that you know it was his next fault for getting in the way. It's not Matthew's fault. So you know that's just how it works. Um, so yeah, um, all right, that takes care of that. Um, what else we got here on the list? Um, outdoor games. Um, this comes from that game, uh, Sabers and Leafs in the outdoor game. Uh, more frustration for the Leafs fans as they lose outdoors to Buffalo. Um, are the outdoor games, like, do they have the pageantry do you guys think that they used to have, or are they kind of just losing it? Because, I, like, I forgot there was even a game that was outdoor this weekend. Um, Gordy, what, what are your thoughts on it? Are there too many? Did, we, did the NHL put too many of them out there at the start and kind of devalue the, the pageantry and excitement that is an outdoor game? Yeah, it was, it was almost like a war on two fronts because they've drastically increased the number of them in the past couple of years and really diluted it down. But then at the same time, it also feels like they promote these games like way less than they ever have. Like there's been not not maybe necessarily the Toronto one, but there's been games in these past couple of years where I genuinely didn't know they happened until like highlights are being posted because you know with LA, San Jose, like those kind of smaller outdoor games, like very little advertising to the general NHL public that it's happening. You know, tune in on TV, so they've kind of lost their specialness for me but I mean like me and Mike and a couple other buddies went to that Regina game in 2019 and as a as an experience it's amazing it's an incredible way to watch hockey but I mean if you're doing it all the time it, it kind of reduces that the, the uniqueness of the event. Michael what are your thoughts on them? Yeah I'm with Gordy on it I think the NHL has just they've totally dropped the ball on like any kind of marketing for these games like at least up here in Canada for, like, whenever they do, like, the stadium series games in the U.S., like, I don't even know if they're happening until they've happened, unless the team releases a terrible jersey for it. Like, <laughs> that's the only time we've even, like, noticed that it's going on is, like, when Nashville came out with their jersey this year, stuff like that. 
Where so, the Flyers uh, and Penguins went with those yellow and black and orange and black, just hideous uniforms. Continue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's that's the only time it's even a talking point. Like I guess you know when the Winter Classic is, it's usually January first, so that's easier to figure out. And like you kind of expect there to be a game, but any of those stadium series games, you don't even know what's happening. Like the Heritage Classic, even like this past one with the Leafs, like. I would say anybody that's not very, very, like, plugged into hockey and, like, on the Twitter all the time, like, there was really nothing even in Canada about it going on. And, again, I know Leaf fans have been into it. But, yeah, I think they're just totally dropping the ball on any chance to market this. Like, if you look at how the NHL even scheduled yesterday, there was, like, I think 10 or 11 games yesterday, but then there's one today. Why wouldn't you put, like, four or five of those today and then made the Heritage game more of, like, a spectacle or something? Like, it just... I think unless they're just not seeing the return on the television for these outdoor games, which they could not be at this point just because of how much the interest is kind of waned, like, they, they really need to do put some more effort into marketing it because it's just, it's a mess right now with, like, you, you don't know what's going on, and for, like, that to be one of your premier events of the season, it's kind of, it makes it hard to really believe in the NHL outside of, like, people who are already established fans of the game. Now, off the top of my head, something I just thought of, and I don't even know if they could do it. What if they did the All-Star game as an outdoor game? You know, find a city that's, you know, you could do it. You could do it Edmonton. You could do it Calgary. You could do it Toronto. You could do it in Boston. You could, you know, if it's cold enough, you could do it in Philly. I mean, that all depends on, you know, time frame. You know, the game is usually in February, so it's got to be something. You're not going to do it in Florida, you know, or Vegas, so that cuts out those markets. But, I don't know, maybe, maybe do the All-Star game outside as an outdoor game. That could be kind of fun. Maybe. No? No, that's a good idea. I, I really like when people throw out that they, like, the All-Star games need to be when they test out new rules and stuff, too. Like, let us see that. Like, if they if they weren't so boring all the time with their planning and got some fresh ideas like these, like, in their office, like, I mean, these these events would be a lot more watchable and a lot more marketable. Um, while we're on topic of the Sabres, and they just played, um, that's something we planned on discussing, but it just came into my head. Um, how about Jack Eichel? The other night, after that game, he's <laughs> so salty, but I kind of liked it. You know, the Flames fans are like, that's why we don't want him, he's such a jerk. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That was great. I loved it. He's just like, oh, wow, it just took me leaving for them to get excited. That's awesome. Um, you guys have any thoughts on Eichel's return to Buffalo where, against the Sabres, where they lose, and then he just goes off on the fan base afterwards? Yeah, hockey needs more personality, regardless of what guys say. They need more guys like Jack Eichel and their stars to just – speak from the top of their minds and not not use the pre-recorded hockey answers. Like, it's regardless of what Eichel says, regardless of what you think of that, like, just to hear him speak his unfiltered mind is awesome. Like, that's what this sport needs more of. So, uh, yeah, I also, if you if you think that's a good reason why Eichel didn't come to Calgary, like, that's just, that's just stupidity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's playing well, but the Vegas Golden Knights haven't since he's come in, so maybe chemistry does mean something when you drop Mark Stone out of your lineup and you fire Eichel in there. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on uh, Eichel's little postgame, not tirade, but his not-so-subtle jab at the Buffalo fan base. Hey, I'm all for it just because I think, like Gordy said, it's good for the game. We get, I think we need a bit more. I think we should be, like, interviewing guys, like, right after they come off the ice after, like, a fight or something. Like, just get the emotional statements. Like, get the things that are going to grab headlines because at this point you, you need the, the NHL to grab headlines. So, like, I guarantee that probably grabbed the biggest headline of the week for, like, some of the U.S. markets. Like, oh, I feel trashing his former city and... Yeah, no, I watched that game, and it was pretty fun to watch uh, Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck score against their former team, and then Eichel throw that comment at the end of it. Like, he just guaranteed the next time they're there that uh, it'll be sold out, probably, and he'll be getting it the whole game. And you know what? That's good for hockey. If uh, 
that's that's gathering some attention. And then I'm on a side note, like after watching Buffalo like a little bit more lately, like they get a goalie, a couple pieces before next year. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they find a way into the playoffs. Just on a side note, like I know the East is stacked, but they're they're, they're looking scary, and I'm kind of excited to see how they how the Flames play with, against them on a I think Friday. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I love the personality thing. It's like wrestling when the baby face turns heel. You know, I don't know everybody's like, oh, no, it's terrible. And, like, watching Eichel just flip like that was awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But to go to your, like, your talk about, you know, how you want to interview these guys, like, emotionally right afterwards, like, and this is a test, you know, put put a guy in the middle of the ice in between the penalty boxes and you interview Evander Kane and Matthew Kachuk right after this scrum and they can have a conversation with each other. Like, how great would that be? That'd be like audio gold watching those two go at it, you know? Or mic up guys when they fight. Like, hold on, you're going to fight? All right, put a mic on, go. And just listen to like the conversation before and after, you know? Make the, you know, make the, it's very Fox-esque. That's a very Fox thing. Puck trackers and microphone fights, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think they, I think they need like some kind of pay-per-view service where it's like you got the the benches mic'd up, you got the players mic'd up and just completely unfiltered like I know the CFL did like a mic'd up coaches thing for a couple of years and yeah. they ended up bleeping out half of it and the other half was them calling plays that you couldn't understand so it was still fun I just think yeah throw throw a couple of mics in the penalty boxes throw some on the bench throw a few more rink level and you pay a little extra for the service completely unfiltered I think it'd be a lot of fun like I wonder to hear what Sutter's saying when he goes no 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 every time an official skates by. Uh, yeah, Gordy, you look like you wanted to say you have a you have a thought on like some sort of insane like mic'd up like penalty box stuff. Yeah, like I just want to know what guys are saying to Matthew Kachuk on a nightly basis. Like when a former teammate like Garnet Hathaway's having to punch him in the face at the side of the net. Like I just really want to know what goes on in those net front scrums. Like if they do like you know, like an NHL after dark thing where it's yeah just uncensored, unfiltered. Yeah. You get everything these guys are saying. Like that would be that'd be an awesome experience. I want to know what Michael Backlund said to Mark Giordano to warn a cross-check at the end of <laughs> what Gio said to him, because I don't think Michael Backlund even talks on the ice, so that would have been that would have been fun to um, see. But yeah, so I'm, the Eichel thing, I'm all in. A, I think it's I think it's absolutely hysterical, and they do like the. I mean, the referees are mic'd up anyway. Like they had that slip up the other night. I was like. Might have been a couple of weeks ago where an official came to the box to send somebody in, and the guy said something. What did you do? He's like, "You shut the!" And then he clicked his mic off real quick. I was like, "No, let's go. That's awesome. That's what we're all here for. That's what we're paying for." So, um, all right, we'll get into the the stands now because um, the stands are where always you know all the fun stuff happens. I mean, unless you're at a Bruins game and you know Terry O'Reilly climbs into the stands and beats the snot out of you <laughs> in full gear. Um, this is brought up with you guys. I have the baseball side of it, the hockey thing. Grown-ups asking for autograph sticks from players. Gordy, go. It's, yeah, it's just a bad look when, you know, every kid in the crowd and stuff, you know, is, you know, they're the deserving ones there who's who's really going to benefit the most out of it. So, like, I mean, if somehow a stick gets into your possession, fine, but, like, actively bagging against the glass during warm-up or whatever, it's just it's a little uncomfortable to see, quite honestly. <laughs> Michael, go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it just seems like there's more and more for this year. And again, if it's a kid, I don't really care too much. But like on the flip side, my opinion is also like, if you're at a game and like already said, a stick, a puck, a ball finds its way to you, I also don't think you should be have to give it to kids. Like that guy who got like the Lindholm stick through the camera hole that game. Like I'm sorry, you got stabbed with a stick through the glass. I think you should get to keep that. Like if you catch a home run ball with your bare hand, because I know like you're you're the anti baseball like. 
bring your glove guy. Like, if you catch a home run ball or a foul ball line drive with your bare hand, I'm sorry, I think you should get to keep that. Same, like, if you get hit in the side of the head at the puck, I think that's your puck. I'm not... Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I think the signs have gotten, like, it seems like every game, like, it's just the whole, like, ring around the glass. It just seems a bit more than it used to be, but at the same time, like, if it's kids, I don't care about the adults doing that. It just, it just, I just can't, it just, there's something about it that just seems like, just like the dogs begging for table scraps thing. And it's just like, why are you doing that? Like, I, I just, I just can't get behind it. Like, it's my 46th birthday, and I just got over a sinus infection. You know, <laughs> Eric and Branson, will you sign your helmet for me? You know, like, that stuff drives me nuts. But, like, I'm all with the kids. Like, you know, you know, if there's a kid on the, the – on the, you see it all the time. Like, you know, I just, you know, got out of chemo. I just beat this. Absolutely. Give the kid a puck. Give the kid a stick. Give him your jersey. Whatever. But as you were getting to the point, Michael, I hate watching baseball and seeing some stupid grown man who's, like, 55 years old. If he's sitting with his kid protecting his kid – Okay, I'll cut him some slack, but like you're an adult. Don't bring a baseball glove to a game. There's no chance manager's gonna turn around like you, section seven. We need an extra outfielder. Let's go. Like you're an idiot. Like put the glove down and just watch the game. I hate that. You know, like it, I think twelve is probably the cutoff age for kids, you know, like once you're out of little league and you're you're moving on, it's like you're over seven, you shouldn't put ketchup on a hot dog. These are the these are the hills I'm willing to die on. Okay, but like both are like I hate the baseball glove thing, but I'm with you, like just be like a, a grown man of, you know, or woman begging somebody for, like, their stick or something. It's just like, I'm like, come on, like, get over it. It's almost like after an NFL game when you see, like, the two-star quarterbacks trading jerseys. And I'm like, no, you're competitors. You don't trade jerseys with each other. What's wrong with you people? So, yeah. I'd say – I'll just say the one exception to that maybe is if, like, you're an away fan and the other teams rank, and I think the players sometimes like to see maybe, like, some, like, hometown support or something. Yeah. Like, there was the one, I think, where Keith went back to Chicago or whatever, and the woman was begging for a stick. He threw her a stick, and the kid beside her was just bursting into tears <laughs> until he got his own stick. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bad look overall a lot of the time. Yeah. Any final thoughts on that, Michael? As we we make we 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 chastise adults for trying to be children. <laughs> no, yeah, my like I said, my only I think exception to the rule is if you physically catch the puck or the yeah. ball or the stick. If it hits the ground, you got to give it to a kid. But but if you catch the foul ball with your bare hands, if you catch the puck, I think you earn the right to keep the puck. That's my only uh, opinion on that part of it. All in. I completely agree. Um, officiating, we'll uh, wrap up with this. Um, the officiating in the NHL has been, um, well, is suspect a good word to use? Uh, inconsistent? <laughs> bad? I mean, you keep going down the line. Uh, uh, Nikita Zadorov has uh, carved a path at every rink on the way to the penalty box lately. For just, I feel like he's taken, what, like, he's got to have, like, five high-sticking penalties in, like, the last three or four games. But officiating overall, like, you're seeing guys in overtime, like, getting hooked, getting slashed, getting held, not getting calls, which leads to breakouts at the other end. Um, you know, goaltender interference has always been one where everybody just kind of goes, you know, nobody has any idea what that is. Uh, Michael, uh, officiating this season, um, how do you fix it? Can you fix it? Is it just human error and that's just part of life? I, I just think we talk about this all the time. They're, uh, with the, at least we talk about with players, but they're, uh, they're, they're in playoff mode, these refs, baby. Like, they're just <laughs> calling nothing and – Mouthing off the guys, and uh, yeah, no, they're ready to go for playoffs. But yeah, seriously though, like they, there's just been. It seems like there's so many things being missed. There, like the obvious ones this year too. Like yeah. 
I don't mind if they call a game closer to the playoffs where it's like really you only call it if it's like directly leading to a scoring chance or stopping a scoring chance and letting more of it go. But because I know we all hate the games where it's like both teams get like five power plays and there's like two or three ticky tacks per side. So like I don't mind if they let it go a bit more, but. It seems like their willingness to put away the whistles later in games has kind of increased more and more over, like, this season, and it's costing teams points, it's giving teams points. Like, I know in the Edmonton-Washington game, like, I can't remember which Oiler it was, but got just completely hooked trying to get towards the empty net by uh, TJ Oshie, and then the Capitals turn around and score with .8 seconds left. So I, I just think it's one of those things that you're not going to be able to fix it. Like, I don't think we're going to see AI officials or, like, we don't want them calling down from the booth every time there should or shouldn't be a penalty. So I, I think they're still human, but they, they, they just got to be a little bit better. I think there's a little bit more um, – or a little bit more chance for some kind of punishment or some kind of, like, at least acknowledgement that there were missed calls from the league would be nice. But, yeah, there's, there's just nothing going on with them right now where it's, like, if they make a mistake, you don't even, like – at least in the NBA sometimes if there's, like, a mistake, you see them come back the next day and put out, like, a pressure release, like, press release, like, this call was a mistake with however much time left and will be better or something. But like, there's just nothing from the NHL. And I think that that culture where there's no real punishment for, like, missing something or getting something wrong needs to at least be changed somewhat. Especially with four of them on the ice. And honestly, I think the four is too – like, it's it clutters up the ice. You see it. Like, Goudreau hits the official with the puck the other day and starts screaming at them, and the referee starts screaming back at him. You know, like, how did you hit me with a puck? You had the whole ring. But then, you know, the puck goes off the official skate, Edmonton scores, there goes Markstrom Shutta. Like, you know, it's like – there's four of them out there. I know linesmen aren't, you know, they can, if in the video they can suggest, like, hey, you know, this happened, but they can't call penalties, you know. They're there for icing and offside and whatnot. But, like, I, I don't know. With four of them on the ice court, it, it shouldn't be that hard to make calls, right? Yeah, and it's it's maybe not that they're not seeing stuff. It's, like, maybe more than ever, the refs just seem so afraid to have, like, a significant impact on the outcome of the game and, it's just it's just the inconsistency of calls where like the NHL comes out these last couple of years and tells us they're gonna like pretty much cut down completely on slashing, but we still see guys whack each other with their sticks. Like that only happens in the NHL. Nobody plays like that in lower leagues really. They still push each other with their sticks, cross check style and they'll call it sometimes and it's just it's just the inconsistency, and then sometimes not calling stuff has as much of an out or impact as as calling a penalty with a couple seconds left. And yeah, I mean, getting out of the way has been a big problem too. Like you guys mentioned, that goal that Edmonton got, where I mean, I get that the ref is you know he's not supposed to be watching the puck on that play, but he has to be aware of where the puck is when he's watching you know for penalties and stuff because he's the ref. And then, I mean, Trevor Lewis dumps that puck in the other night and just clocks the linesman in the side of the head, and he yeah. has to leave the game. Like, uh, it's just such a fast game, and four guys added on top of ten skaters. It's a really, really um, cluttered area around there. I've always wondered if there'd be a way that you could have kind of refs outside of the playing surface, but, I mean, then you'd still need somebody to govern scrums and stuff. But, yeah. It's the others really no easy answer to this, and I mean every other sport on planet Earth hates their officials too, and thinks it can be done a different <laughs> way. So it's just always going to kind of be the nature of sport. It's unfortunate, but I mean those guys are doing their best, their best effort every night. Yeah, I don't watch basketball, so I couldn't tell you what the NBA is like. But I mean, when you look at the NHL, uh, the NFL, the NHL, and Major League Baseball, when 
the NHL is like the shining star on you know those sports. It's kind of because the NFL officials are bad. Major League Baseball umpires are just atrocious. I mean, you know, at some point there's going to be the AI umpire behind the plate or behind the mound with the, you know, the the, the computerized strike zone. It, it's coming eventually. You know, that'll be on the next CBA when they make the bases four feet wide, you know, as opposed to as big as they are. Um, but hey, but you know, quickly baseball's back, so that's good. I just got the email saying my. MLB has taken my money for my MLB TV subscription, so hooray for me. I <laughs> got that going for me. Um, no game tonight. Uh, Calgary's off until Wednesday next when they are home against the lowly New Jersey Devils along with the Buffalo Sabres and the Vancouver Canucks. That one is in Vancouver, so three games this week. It's almost like a nice reprieve. Calgary gets a few days off. Um, anything you guys want to add before we get out of here? You got anything in Gordy's corner? We got a... Uh, yeah, I think we were going to bash the wave on top of oh, the, yes, the no. stick stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, it's go just, have it. It's just like it feels like we're just hating on so much fun stuff <laughs> not long after saying we need more personality in the game. But the wave is just – it doesn't fit hockey anymore. Like when you're not watching a playoff game, like everyone's sitting down and, you know, if you're trying to watch the play and all of a sudden the 30 people are <laughs> fully blocking your view in the middle of play, like that's not too fun. And, I mean, especially in the city of Calgary, we have unfortunately seen way too many circumstances where it – genuinely seems to distract the players or something in a late goal or a big hit or something like just switches the momentum and it's it's just I don't know where the wave started but I I would be fine with it ending here I wouldn't be surprised if the wave started someplace stupid like Fenway Park where they swing Sweet Carolina between every inning, every uh, seventh inning stretch, whatever it is. Which, for the record, is a song by Neil Diamond about a child, which is about Caroline Kennedy as a kid. It's, it's such a weird dynamic where that's the song that the Red Sox choose to sing. And I'm like, first off, it's stupid. And second of all, it's a grown man singing a tribute song to a child. That's just weird. Uh, and I'm with you on the wave. The wave sucks. Michael, go. All of that. Think- that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that you see more, like, against it. But, I don't know. For me, I think the only time the wave is acceptable is, like, you're, you have to be up by at least three goals with less than three minutes left. Maybe four. <laughs> like, it's got to be one of those games where it's, like, you're for sure winning. Anything, like, a smaller lead or, like, more time left, and I think you're pushing it. Like, it just – it's got to be, like, that thing you do at the end of a big win. Like, I just – I don't really like it either, but I can at least live with it because it is somewhat fun when people get going with it. But – yeah, no, it, you've got to do it late in the game, up by, like, three-plus goals, because otherwise it's, like Gory said, it's a distraction, and it's, I don't know, it's just, for me, like, it seems like every time we remember seeing the Flames fans do a wave with, like, ten minutes left, they're up by, like, a goal or two, it feels like they've lost, like, every one of those games. So, like, final few minutes, up by three, go nuts. Anything other than that, sit the hell down, let's win this game and go home. Can 0-4 be blamed on the wave? It pushed the puck back. <laughs> Everybody went back. <laughs> we throw that on there? Um, yeah, I'm with you. I just think the wave, it's so like, it's like getting in a time machine back to like the mid, like that's such a mid-1980s thing. Like it's just like, I, I don't get it. It's, I don't understand the wave. I think it's stupid. I think, Gordy, what was your quote? Every seat should be electrified. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah, they, the seats detect you standing up and upon sitting back down. Yeah, you're just fried in your chair. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. NHL, we got some, some proposals. Officials off the ice. Electrified chairs. Outdoor All-Star games. Mic'd up fights. We got a lot going on here. We should, uh, we should approach uh, the commish. And uh, hand over our, our ideas to him and see what he has to say. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up here on this episode of the Tinderbox. If you enjoyed this, you can find us on Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, 
or Amazon Music. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you can find past episodes of this podcast and all of our other podcasts out there. No Flames tonight again. They're back on the ice Wednesday night against the New Jersey Devils at home at 8 p.m. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on the Tinderbox. Box.